Welcome to Mill Spouse House, where we discuss our personal experiences with being a military spouse, answer your questions, and try to navigate this journey together. I'm Erin. And I'm Molly. So come on in, grab a coffee, get cozy, and let's have a chat. We got a response that really intrigued me on our Instagram after we posted, what is your proudest moment as a military spouse? And a lot of the responses were about the spouse, like achievements and Mm -hmm. working through stuff. And I feel like a lot of times us as spouses, especially military spouses, we pay so close attention to our service member and Mm -hmm. their journey and their growth and or any changes, whether they be good or bad. And I feel like we're so focused on that, that someone responded saying, these are so wonderful, but I can't help but notice they're all about the spouse and not about them. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. I feel like a lot of times we have to be so selfless and not thinking Mm -hmm. about ourselves. Um, So I wanted to start off asking you, like, do you have a moment that you're really proud of yourself because of the military life or during military life? I mean, I feel like I handled my my daughter's pregnancy really, really well in terms of finding ways to cope and to plan and making myself feel better and not dwelling on the fact that, oh my gosh, he's missing everything. And I try, I think I've really tried to, I think I did a really good job at compensating for a lot of things and making the best out of that entire situation. Even though like I remind myself that I put myself in that situation and we put ourselves in that situation, but it doesn't make yeah. it any easier. Right. And so I feel like I really did make the best out of that situation and keeping him involved and, you know, setting up showers. And I am proud that I was able to persevere through that with very minimal anxiety. I feel like as minimal anxiety as you can have when (laughs) hormones are running through your body. But I feel like I surrounded myself with, you know, support through the entire thing. I, you know, I put plans in place just in case. I really dove into research in terms of how to prepare myself, mind and body for the delivery to be educated. Yeah, I feel like that's probably one of my proudest military moments was kind of taking that head on and not letting it completely overwhelm me and ruin my pregnancy because I really could have mm. just gone into like a dark hole in terms of just like being sad that he's not here, worrying about him not being there for the birth and like focusing on everything that I couldn't control. And rather I tried to focus on the things that I could control and plan for the things that I could. Yeah. And and it is so easy to fall into that. And it does take such strength to not only if you're there, pick yourself out of it, but to stay consistent with that positive mindset and behavior, Mm -hmm. which I can't even imagine. Um, You know, like you said, as little anxiety as possible, because there still is some, there's still things that happen, but 
Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say that I never, I didn't worry at all about him. <laughs> like, you know, you always, there's always worry when you're a military spouse, whether it be about where they are, what they're doing, their safety, their mental health, their physical health, um, and all of that kind of stuff. So definitely there was worry, but yeah, I think I, my proudest moment was how I handled that. And I remember you saying that, well, yes, I put myself there and we put ourselves there. Mm -hmm. And we as military spouses do make these choices that do put ourselves there. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that we don't deserve to have feelings or we don't deserve to feel it. (laughs) Yeah. What, uh, What just rubs me the wrong way is, you know, when military spouses are told, you know, like, well, you know what you signed up for. You know, oh, um, yes. Oh, I, oh, that just, oh, grinds my gears. I hate that because yes, we did, but you know what? We're supporting our, our service member in one of the hardest jobs in the most important and honorable jobs mm-hmm. out there. They're serving a their country, our country, you know, they're protecting and serving. And that is so honorable. And to switch that to a negative so easily yeah. in terms of saying, well, you know what you signed up for. If that alone prevented military spouses from becoming military spouses, everyone in the army or everyone in the military would be single. Mm. Right. You know, think about it. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people who aren't in the military realize how much your service member needs that, Mm -hmm. needs that support. And I really feel like I helped my husband when he was my fiance through his deployment. You know, it it gives them a reason to, to want to come home safe. Mm -hmm. And I really feel very proud to be an army wife because I know my husband is serving his country. And I know there's other reasons and there's more reasons that he is in the military than just that, but that is such a huge one. And by me supporting him, I feel more connected to my country and I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm doing my own way of serving my country by supporting him so much and by being involved in his career and, it's the little things like when we do have our Thanksgiving dinners that we do for single soldiers and, and things like that. And if you aren't a military spouse listening, I just encourage you to try to stay away from big phrases like that. You know, mm-hmm. you cho- you chose this life. Cause I heard that a lot, especially when I started this journey, because I, had all those feelings and emotions because you can know you're going into this, but you don't know what you're, you can't expect Mm -mm. all the trials and tribulations that come with this lifestyle. Yeah. And things hit you that you didn't even expect. I had no idea that in our first few years of marriage, even after we were one year into our marriage before we moved across the world, that was not on the plan. That was that was not my idea of what was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know where you're going to go. You don't know where you're going to station. You don't know, you know, you don't know anything. 
Um, so it's not like signing a contract with a big company and knowing, okay, that company is stationed in, you know, that company is in Texas and it's a four year contract. Like, you know, that you're going to be in Texas yeah. for four years with the military. It's not that mm -hmm. it's, you know, okay, we're, <laughs> we're sending you to Texas, but then we're going to send you here, 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 and here. We are going to, you can expect two deployments that who knows how many trainings, yeah. You know, like, you mm -hmm. know, only so much. Um, so, yes, I know what I signed up for. But a big picture, the small things, <laughs> I had no idea what I signed up for. Um, the service member doesn't yeah. even know what they signed up for. You know, it's not all written in that contract because it's so it's subject to change. And it's not just to mess with the <laughs> The military doesn't do it to mess with the veteran or not the service member. Like, oh, let's right. see how many times we can move this service member until they break. That's not, you know, there's such a bigger purpose to it. It's all on a, a need basis. Right. You know, it's all where that service member's skill, job, MOS is needed the most. And so if you're needed in California and you're in Texas, they're going to move you to California no matter what your contract says. They're going to make a new one for you. It's all on where your service member is needed, where your country needs your service member at that time. It's so much bigger, so much bigger than you can even wrap your brain around. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. And even when it comes down to the job that your service member does, I know that you know, my husband would love to change his MOS just because his interests have grown and expanded. But if the army doesn't need him for that and they need him where he's at, they're going to keep him where he's at. Mm -hmm. That's just how it is. If you're a listener and you have a family member or a friend that maybe has said these things to you, I encourage you to send them this episode <laughs> and <Please>. I encourage <laughs> you to stand up for yourself Again, we have to work very hard on choosing our words and our attitude when we go about these really tough conversations because they can blow up. I mean, I've been emotional at times where that has really just been the tip of the iceberg, has frustrated me, made me feel even more alone than I did when I brought up my issue to this person I was close to or anyone that is from the outside looking in and they say mm -hmm. those things and I just want to lose my mind. <laughs> so I encourage you to be in the right mind space, but also your feelings are valid. Your thoughts are valid. You make good points and be strong in that. And I would say that in talking about proudest moments for me, learning how to deal with these big changes and having a sense of, I now I'm able to approach these big changes in a healthier way than I did maybe in the past two years. I would say my proudest moments of being a military spouse for myself are right now. I feel like I'm actually on top of being in control of myself because ultimately that's what you have power over when you're a military spouse is yourself. And a lot of times it's the only thing you have control over. So that's been my biggest focus and something that I have really, really been working on. Absolutely. And the reason why I bring a lot of this up is because I was in therapy yesterday. Lovely session. I love my therapist. There He's you go. Awesome. There you and go. I love it. I love it. And I was talking about work because there's a lot of stuff going on with work and I 
I feel like I've been handling it really well. And so I've been proud of myself for that. And he told me, he said, you are completely different when you talk about work than you talk about any of your personal issues and um, stuff that you're going through. And you really value yourself in your work. And he told me I've started to really value myself within my relationship. And I, I know how I measure my value within those two things. But the area that I have to work on is how do I value myself with just myself, without the relationship, without the work aspect? And I could not answer it. I could not answer it. Yeah. It's such a hard question. Yeah. You, you, cause, because I'm sure with you, you feel like, okay, I'm a veteran coach. I'm a wife and I'm a mother. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure it goes the reverse. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a veteran coach in terms of ranking order there. Yes. And I'm sure you have ways of valuing yourself within each of that relationship those relationships and those versions of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But when you strip all that away, how do you value value yourself? And that's so important for us military spouses to, to sit there and think about and understand because at the end of the day, we are the ones who are sitting with ourselves when our spouse is on deployment or sitting with ourselves when the kids go off to school, maybe for the first time or sitting with ourselves as we're packing up our house, moving to another destination. Mm-hmm. It's a tough thing to think about, but I was floored when he asked me, cause I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Take all that away. And then I still like, yeah, no, I don't think I can answer that question either. And I have kind of a interesting example of this is mm. So after, after I've had my babies, you know, in postpartum, usually around three months, I start to get a little lost Mm. in both myself and my value. I know that I'm in, I'm doing important work. I'm keeping humans alive, you know, or a human alive, but I start to search for things that can measure my value, Mm. such as work. So I know that I didn't go back to work with my first, um, with my oldest daughter until we were back in Michigan. It was probably around eight to 10 months, but I started or I restarted an Etsy business and I just needed something else on top of being a stay-at-home mom to kind of look to in terms of, well, one, keeping myself busy and like preventing like the downtime to like really dwell on everything. But also I feel like when you said that, I was like, Oh, maybe that's what I was doing or that's what I need. Yeah. When I, when I am lost in looking for something else is how to measure my success, measure my value. Um, because it, it worked with both of my daughters I was struggling with postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and I felt, I remember telling my husband that I felt like I was going through a, Oh, how did I, how did I describe it? Um, when is it, what, when you like lose your sense of self, what is that called? Identity crisis. Cause I had one of those. (laughs) Yes. I told my husband that I thought I was going through an identity crisis. Yeah. Um, and this was, right before I went back to work. 
And I was just like, I don't know what it is. I could, I could not even put words to it other than identity crisis. I didn't, I didn't know that it was postpartum depression. I should have known that it was postpartum, but from my perspective, I, I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. You're in the middle of it. Yeah. And I didn't, and I also viewed postpartum depression at the time, which is completely wrong and backwards as failure. Mm. as a mother. Mm-hmm. I thought if I admit that I have postpartum depression, people are going to start asking me, you know, if I have thoughts of harming myself or my child and that right. I'm not going to be valued as a mother if I admit that I have postpartum depression. Right. And I want to tell everyone that that is the furthest thing from the truth. You know, absolutely. Postpartum, postpartum depression is, is hormonal. You have a lot going on when you're, when you're a fresh new mother and you're trying to take care of this baby, you're sleep deprived. I was very sleep deprived. Um, my daughter didn't sleep through the night for probably the first eight to 10 months of her life. Wow. That's exhausting. Exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. Um, and everything was scary. The thought of sleep training was scary. The thought of going back to work was scary. The thought of leaving her was scary. The thought of uh, bottle feeding versus breastfeeding. I mean, there was just so much. And I com- I was taking it all on myself. And I wasn't asking for enough help. I wasn't checking in with my mental health. But what ended up kind of breaking that cycle was me going to work. And I was so afraid to go back to go to work. One, because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And two, because I then I had to figure out childcare and I had to leave my daughter for more time than I had ever left her for. Oh yeah. And and so that seemed daunting. So every task seemed daunting. But once I finally did find a job that I loved, um, and I went back to work, it all kind of melted away. My postpartum depression literally melted away. We got into a routine. I felt like I had more of a sense of self when I was at work because I felt I felt valued at work. I felt like the work that I was doing was helping other people. Um, and I was learning and I was being challenged. And so for me, that's what snapped me out of it. And that's what snapped me out of it in this past pregnancy too with this job. You know, I was so nervous to go back to work. Um, again, it was around, gosh, was it around the same time? How old is she now? She's 10 months now. So yeah, a little bit earlier this time around, I went back to work. But yeah, it meant so many things. It meant, you know, that childcare had to come into play, that we had to get a nanny, that we had to send my oldest to school for the first time. And so when you're dealing with postpartum depression, even the small things like what you're going to do in the day, are daunting. So huge decisions like going back to work, sending your sending your three-year-old to school for the first time, getting a nanny, starting a completely new career, those things are massive. Massive. And so it took it took me a while. It took me a really long time to kind of come to terms with it. Um, but again, now I can proudly say that I snap myself out of it because I feel so valued at this job and I feel like I'm helping others. And so in postpartum, that was really, really important for me to find a sense of self other than being a mom, a wife, a stay at home mom. Um, So I completely get it in a completely different way than 
kind of what you were describing, but, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it, but I still can't answer that question that you're, that yeah. your practitioner you know, asked you. As is, you're talking, yeah. I'm kind of feeling like we should be taking those things that make us feel valued in those aspects of our life. Like, like even just you saying, I was able to snap myself out of it. Mm-hmm. If you, that, that you did that, mm-hmm. you did that. And when I was talking about work, I'm, I really enjoy it and learning brings me confidence. So mm-hmm. how can I Absolutely. translate that to my personal life? So I value myself more and I'm working through this as we're doing this. Um, I value myself more when I feel in control and I'm confident. Mm-hmm. So how can I translate that into just me everyday activities? Yeah, I like that. And I think it a lot of it goes back to the those proud moments. I think we should challenge ourselves to find something every day that makes us proud of ourselves because we decided to do something and we did it for us. There's it's it's great to be proud that you have worked hard on being a good spouse. It's great that you value yourself and are proud because you worked hard on being a good friend or a good parent or a good uh, coworker. But what about just when you're by yourself? For me, so I I struggle with depression really really heavily always have. So I understand a lot of what you're saying from a from, I guess, a different point of view, Mm -hmm. but I resonate with it so much. And like when you were saying those little decisions become huge decisions, even just deciding what to make for dinner becomes this mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And it puts a lot of pressure (laughs) on yourself. So late this year in 2022, uh, uh, big gigantic goals in terms of like, complete life changes, not working for me right now. So I've been doing little things like make the bed every day. It's a small thing, but for for so long, it was so huge to me without even really realizing it. And I've kept that up every day. And it's, and it's something that makes me feel better. <laughs> I just like look into my room and I'm like, Oh, it's so nice and peaceful. It in feels there. so much cleaner. <laughs> Even if yeah. like everything else is in disarray in my room, as long as my bed is made, it yeah. feels so much cleaner and more put together. And especially since I work in our bedroom, yeah, I, that has been a huge thing. Like I, when I was a stay at home mom, you know, I was always, my bed was never made, never made. But it always bugged me. <laughs> it always bugged me. But now that, but I don't know how I worked around it. I think it always bugged me, but it didn't bug me enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I work eight hours plus a day in yeah. my room next to a bed, if it's not made, I feel so disorganized. It has like a direct correlation yeah. with how productive I am that day. Same with my desk. Like if my desk is a mess, can't function. I need to, I need to straighten it out. I need, you know, the highlighters to be all straightened out. I can't have post-it notes everywhere. Like, so like, yeah, definitely the little, find the little things instead of focusing on like the huge goals, like break them down and look at 
what is going to make you more productive? What is going to help your mental mm-hmm. health plan for your future self in terms of, okay, what can, what can Molly do right now? That's going to help future Molly tomorrow, tonight, you know, that is literally what I have been writing down. That's literally what I have been writing down because you talked about this before. Um, it, well, or no, I saw in your Instagram story, I think about how you prepare for the next day with two little ones and working (laughs) full time literally inspired me because my goal every day is to be ready for tomorrow. That has been my mantra since 2022 has started. I write it in my agenda book. It literally says goals. And the only one that really gets written down is feel ready for the next day. And Mm -hmm. I have a little checklist because I realized my husband asked me what motivates me. And I said, I know it's superficial, but like achievements, like receiving achievement accolades, I respond very well to that. I am someone who likes to climb up the ladder. So if you give me a little bit of recognition, I'm going to go even harder. Just, Mm -hmm. I think, to prove to myself that I can. So these little things like make my bed. I have these little things on a checklist because Mm -hmm. I like to see that I'm doing great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's these little things that nobody cares about probably, but me for my own self, but watching those little check marks grow for the last two weeks. Satisfying. It's been awesome. It's so satisfying. I love checklists. I love, um, like I have one right here. You guys can't see, but in my job, there are goals, monthly goals. And I have found a way of, um, projecting the month to make me feel mm. better about hitting the goals. Cause sometimes mm. my month starts off really, really slow. And yeah. so what I do is I forecast and then I put a plan together on how to make it happen. And yeah, I, I color code it. I make it pretty. I do, you know, I do everything, but it just makes it seem more manageable. And that's yeah. my biggest thing is let's break this big goal down because it's a huge goal, especially this month. Right. It's a huge goal that I have um, as a veteran coach. And it seemed so unmanageable at first. And then I found I made this technique um, of writing everything down and color coding it. And um, now it seems so manageable. And even though I'm having a slow month still, I'm at least I have a plan. I have a plan. It's written down. Um, it's, you know, baby steps to get to that, to that big goal one bite at a time type thing. Um, and it seems so much more doable now that I have it written down the way I do. So just finding those workarounds in your brain and my workaround is going to look a lot different than your workaround. Oh yeah. Um, so just understanding how you learn, how you process things, what motivates you. It's huge. And if huge, it doesn't huge, work, huge. throw it out. Start exactly. Over. Try something yeah, else. This, this, this is not my first idea <laughs> plan for this goal. I went through quite a few post-it notes um, trying to come up with this system. And now it's last month it, it worked for me. And this month I've upped it. I've added things uh, to make it even more. Um, yeah. Robust for you. Yes. I guess. <laughs> I guess I want to translate value to enjoy and be proud of yourself when you're alone, when you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And I know that a lot of that for me has been finding things that I like to do, even if no one else likes to do them with me. Because I'm not going to share the same interests as my husband. I'm not going to share the same interests as my friends. Again, breaking down those goals. Like, I have this book that I really want to read because I feel like I would enjoy it. But time slips away from me and then the book is thick and it looks really daunting. So, I have broken it down <laughs> cuz I need I need to do things that I enjoy because I do work really really hard and really long hours and then I try to make sure like the house is picked up. I take care of my pets. Like I do things for other people a lot of the day. So I'm trying to find things that make me happy even if I have to force myself starting out. So I'm reading 10 minutes a day. Yeah. 10 minutes a day. There you go. So manageable. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, and if I find myself, I want to go longer, then I will go longer. Yeah. That, that reminds me. So this week, actually I started it last week, but I am terrible at taking my lunch. Mm, terrible at taking my lunch. I, I will that. bring my lunch. <laughs> I will bring my lunch right into my desk and I will eat it at my desk and cuz that's I feel like that's the only time in my schedule that is mine and that I can do the tasks that are on my priority list right. versus, you know, everybody else's. Right. So that's when I'll do those things. Like that's when I'll prepare for the podcast. That's when I'll do all these other tasks. And my husband actually fussed at me and he was like, you need to take your lunch. You need to get out of, get out of the house, get out mm, of take the a room, walk. get out of your office. That's what I've been doing. I've been taking a walk yesterday. I even went for a run. Um, I mean, I have an hour. That's a lot of time. Yeah, that is. But when I'm at my desk, it always flies by. Right. So I'm like, I don't have any time. But yesterday I was like, this is the longest lunch break I have ever had. But it was just an hour, but I got a run in. I still was able to, you know, make myself lunch and eat it. And it was just amazing. I was like, wow, this is what a lunch is supposed it to be. It changes your whole day. Cause I, I do the same thing. It does. Yeah, I need to do that too. It's really hard for me because cause I'm in the middle of the night and it's freezing here. So I can't go oh, on a that walk. Is hard. But I should do something else. But uh but yeah, no, because I figured out that I was always, I needed a second cup of coffee after my lunch break mm. because I was exhausted. Mm. I hit that like afternoon, can't keep my eyes open, focused. I, my productivity in my in the afternoon was, was dwindling. Right. And I was like, what is happening? And it's like, well, Molly, you literally sit at your desk in your room starting at 8 a.m., mm-hmm. And don't get off until past four. Yeah. And you don't leave the room <laughs> other than go to the kitchen. So, of course, you're going to be exhausted. Like, get get outside. Get, you know, just get out of your room. Change of scenery. Um, we, have a, we have a beautiful porch. So, you know, even if it's raining, which it doesn't do very often in California, but even if it's raining so I can't walk, I'm going to at least get outside because the fresh air has been incredibly helpful and energizing because I don't like to have more than one cup of coffee because then I get jittery and then I'm still breastfeeding. So I worry about like the caffeine in my breast milk and all that too. So like I would have rather prevent that second cup of coffee. And so far 
I have not had a second cup of coffee this week because of going on a walk and going outside. That is enough recharge yeah. that I can skip that second caffeine dose. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Find ways to energize yourself, mm-hmm. excite yourself, be proud of yourself. Like, you know, it's all right to be your own cheerleader. You got to cheer yourself on. Hey, I was a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader most of my life. So I'm, but I'm not my own cheerleader. So I need to pump myself up (laughs) for yourself. And so find those moments of your day that you're proud of yourself. If you try a new recipe, even if you fail, Hey, I did something different today that I didn't do Mm -hmm. yesterday. I tried, but it just brings, bring yourself joy today. That's all I ask. Thank you guys so much for joining with us. And, you know, Molly and I work through things while we're talking to you as well. So thank you for being on this journey with us. We're excited to be on this journey with you. Remember to subscribe in case you don't want to miss an episode and chat with us. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. 2022, we're going to be way more active on there. And we would love to hear from you. We want to hear your story. Yeah, from our house to yours. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Mill Spouse House is brought to you by VA Claims Insider. VA Claims Insider is an education-based coaching consulting company for disabled veterans who are exploring eligibility for increased VA disability benefits. VACI was founded in 2016 by Brian Reese, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran and former U.S. Air Force Captain. VACI currently serves more than 300,000 unique veterans per month across its websites and membership programs. VACI's mission is Veterans Helping Veterans Access Education-Based Resources to Get the VA Disability Rating and Compensation They Deserve. Mm -hmm.